This is Women Crush Wednesdays from New York Women in Film and Television. We cover all facets of women working in entertainment and media, along with highlighting accomplishments of our members and previewing upcoming events. Welcome, listeners. I'm Jeannie McGoldrick, and so happy to be with you. And I'm Tammy Reese, and we are thrilled to have NYWA Senior Communications Director Katie Chambers with us today for a very special preview of the Muse Awards. Welcome, Katie. Hi, thanks so much for having me today. First things first, the Muse Awards are in person this year. We are back. Exciting. Yes. This is my first time going. I'm excited. That's amazing. Yeah, we're so excited to have everybody back. Um, We have not been in person since December of 2019. We've had a lot of new members join us since then, like Tammy, and we're thrilled to welcome everybody back in person after two years of successful virtual programs, which were, you know, fun in and of themselves, but nothing is the same as capturing that spirit of all the NIWF members together in one space, celebrating these incredible women. That is so true. So give us the overall details, when, where, how can people get tickets? And then we'll yes. go into the exciting part and talk about the muse honorees. Yes, we'll we'll do everything but the who and the who, what, when, where, and why. <laughs> um, it is going to be Tuesday, March 28th. We will be at Cipriani, 42nd Street. It is at 11 a.m. The reception starts at 11 a.m. The awards program starts at 12, ends at 2. And you can get tickets now on our website. Go to nywift.org slash muse. I love the Cipriani space. I've been to a lot of events there. It's amazing that that space can feel regal and elegant, but yet comfortable at the same time. Exactly, exactly. It's going to be we think a more intimate celebration than we've had in the past. It's a, it's our first time in the space. I've been to the space also for other events, but yes, it's massive. It's cavernous. And yet it feels warmer and more intimate. I don't, I don't know how else to describe it. And I didn't realize until um, my last walkthrough there that it had initially been a bank yep. and it was a bank that had been converted into an event space. And once you know that, then you can see all the teller windows that are still mm-hmm. there that kind of frame where the reception is going to be. It's very cool. Why don't you tell us who you're going to be honoring this year and why? Yes. So we have an amazing roster this year. I I, I don't want to go on record saying it's the most number of honorees ever, but I'm pretty sure it's the most number of honorees we've ever had. We are honoring Ariana Baco, who is the president of IFC Films and has shepherded an incredible roster of indie films to the screen under her tenure. Danielle Brooks is um, an actor and singer who will be receiving the Mayor's Office of Media and Entertainment Made in New York Award. Danielle's most recent credit includes The Piano Lesson on Broadway. Um, She was also in the public's production of Much Ado About Nothing a few summers back. She's very well known for being in Orange is the New Black, and she's on The Peacemaker. She'll be in the Color Purple uh, musical film adaptation that's coming up, so we're thrilled to honor her. Our Nancy Malone Directing Award will be given to Deborah Chow, who's a director, writer, and executive producer. Her latest credit was she was the director of all six episodes of the Obi-Wan Kenobi miniseries on Disney+. She's also directed several episodes of The Mandalorian for Disney+. She's directed lots of lots of action, action-adventure kind of TV shows. She's done uh, Better Call Saul, um, Mr. Robot, and 
I think Murdoch Mysteries also, which is a little more of a you know traditional piece, but she's got an incredible roster of TV directing credits, and we're very excited to honor her. So she could be our link to get Baby Yoda to come on for an interview. That is my goal. Honestly, that's that's Love like it. the main reason we want to honor her. Don't tell her that. No, <laughs> I will say though that when we were putting together her honoree reel, my note kept being like, "But where's Baby Yoda? You have to put Yoda in." Last cut I saw, Baby Yoda is there. So keep an eye out for it. By the way, that Nancy Malone Directing Award is named for Nancy Malone, who was one of the first female television directors who was deeply committed to raising up the next generation of women. And our internship program at NYWIFT is also named after Nancy. We're announcing our new award at Muse, which is the inaugural Edith Roth Award for Excellence in Journalism, which is named for the groundbreaking NBC news director Enid Roth. And that award will go to Maria Inahosa, who is a journalist, anchor, and executive producer. She is the founder of Futuro Media. Uh, she is a Pulitzer Prize winner and a phenomenal journalist who has done a lot to raise up the voices of the Latino community across all areas of media. Then we are also honoring Sandra Lee, who is an advocate, activist, philanthropist, and home life expert. Many people know Sandra from her amazing work on the Food Network and on various cooking shows. She is also a phenomenal, phenomenal activist for people suffering from food insecurity. She's done a lot of work with the Elton John AIDS Foundation, with UNICEF, just a tremendous, tremendous amount of good that she puts out in the world. And we're very excited to honor somebody who is truly working at the intersection of entertainment and philanthropy. And like I said, we have a lot of honorees this year. I've got four more to go. Wow, that is a lot. (laughs) It's a lot. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, we're thrilled. We are coming back with a a bang. Uh, The next one is Frida Pinto, actor, activist, producer. You know her from Slumdog Millionaire, from Mr. Malcolm's List, which was just this summer. She is also a phenomenal activist for women's rights, for maternal health care. She's great. Just phenomenal film actress and has a lot of really exciting projects in the work that she may talk about while she's there. And we're excited to have her. Lauren Ridloff will is uh, an actor who will receive the Lorene Arbus Changemaker Award. Tammy Reese, fan of The Walking Dead. I'm sure you know Lauren Ridloff from her work on The Walking Dead. She is also um, in Marvel's Eternals, which makes her the first ever deaf superhero on screen. So she's receiving the Lorene Arbus Changemaker Award, which is given to somebody who uses their platform in the entertainment industry to advocate for social good and for inclusion. And Lauren, as a deaf actor, has done a phenomenal job for deaf representation on screen. And Tammy, I believe she was one of the people that you interviewed for the podcast in the fall as part of the Walking Dead cast, correct? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, so we encourage everyone to go back and listen to that episode as well as all of our other episodes. But we'll we'll get to promoting the podcast later. Let's stick on the news awards for now. (laughs) Our next is Sharon Stone, legend. You all know her. Sharon who? Uh, Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone. Oh, Sharon Stone. I think that sounds familiar. (laughs) Perhaps. Yes. Basic Instinct, Casino, Academy Award nominee. We know Sharon Stone. Yeah, a couple little films. Yeah, just a few. Just a few. Just a legend. Thrilled to have her. Actor, activist. Um, she's a phenomenal visual artist. She's been a wonderful advocate for HIV and AIDS. We are thrilled, thrilled, thrilled beyond belief to have Sharon join us. And last but not least, Janet Yang, who is a producer. And she's also the president of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. So you saw her just a week ago, week and a half ago at the Oscars. We are 
so excited to honor her and how she is paving the way and making changes at the Academy to make it a more diverse and inclusive place and also is a phenomenal producer in her own right. Wow, that's an amazing, amazing roster of women. The Muse Awards usually are in December. Why now March? We want to celebrate Women's History Month with Muse. We it's it's always been a women's event. We are a women's organization. It is a, a combination, in all honesty, of coming back at a time that makes the most sense for the organization just from a logistical standpoint. Given COVID, it was much it made a lot more sense to be producing an event in the spring rather than at the holiday season when there's always a spike in COVID mm-hmm. and might make people nervous. And why not do it in March and Women's History Month? It's spring, it's a time of renewal, it's our first time back. Just the vibes are right. That's amazing. Are there any other elements that are a little bit different this year than in the past years? Given, like we said before, with Cipriani, it is a more intimate space than in the past, you know, 15 to 20 or so years when you saw us at a, a major midtown hotel. In terms of the stage, we are sprinkling our honorees in the audience this time rather than having them up on the stage the Ooh. whole time. So the show will look a little bit different. But no, really, it's the it's the muse that everybody knows and loves in a new, better looking package. <laughs> <laughs> now, Tammy, you're going to be on the red carpet doing interviews for the podcast. Who, I mean, it's hard to pick out of this amazing roster, but who are you really excited to speak to? I would say Janet Yang. Um, I covered the Oscars virtually um, during COVID, two years in a row for NYWIF. And I didn't apply this past um, Oscars. And I'm like, hey, you know, hey, the Oscars is coming right to NYWIF. Um, And she's so inspirational, amazing resume. I'm excited to interview her. Um, And also um, Sharon Stone's IG account, follow Visionary Minds Instagram account. And I was like so honored and I'm excited to interview her on the red carpet. And just be there in person at my first time at an actual night with event, being a part of this amazing organization for a few years now. I'm finally getting to see everyone in person. I'm just there to cover the experience in a professional way and enjoy myself with my fellow community. That is fabulous. So be sure to listen to upcoming episodes. We're going to have a Muse Roundup. We're going to feature some of the interviews that Tamia did and hopefully some other fun surprises. Follow Nywift on Instagram if you don't already, because Tammy's going to be broadcasting live from the red carpet, and you can catch some of her exclusive interviews there before you get the final package version here on the podcast. Great. And tickets are still available now, but they're selling yes. out fast. Tickets are selling out fast. So make sure you grab your spot. Go to nywift.org slash muse to get your tickets today. Well, we're always happy to have you on the podcast and especially happy to be talking about muse. Like we said, follow Nywift listen to the podcast. Excited to bring you all of the Muse news that you can handle. Thank you, Katie. Thank you so much for having me. We are so excited to bring you Muse. And now I've got to go get back to work so that we can make the show happen. Okay. Well, good luck with everything. I'm sure it's going to be a wonderful event. Thank you so much. Well, speaking of Janet Yang and the Oscars, we just celebrated them a few weeks ago. And as expected, Brendan Fraser one for Best Actor for The Whale. So we thought it would be perfect time to speak to Julian Fisher, who was location scout for the film. I don't think we've had a location scout on the podcast yet, so I'm very excited to be featuring her. This is so amazing, Janine. And Julian Fisher began her career as an intern with the Fort Lauderdale International Film Festival. 
three film festivals, various day jobs, and a very particular set of skills later, Jillian created Boutique Public Relations Company. When a few movies came out knocking at the door of one of her clients, the city of Kingston, New York, Jillian answered and made sure that productions were filmed there. After assisting with locations and negotiations, Jillian turned her attention full-time to location scouting. Whether working with directors at the beginning of their career or those who have won Academy Awards, Jillian found a passion for bringing the page to life. Over a decade later, she still loves the creative aspects of scouting, but is now also pursuing her own projects. Using her years of experience behind the scenes, Jillian has created strong character-driven content featuring female leads of all ages. She has very proudly served on the board of directors for Upwift, the Upstate Women in Film and Television group, almost since its inception. Here is Giovanna's interview with Jillian Fisher. Hi, Jillian. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Very good. Thank you so much for joining us for the New York Women in Film and Television's podcast. How exciting. Oh, my God. It's, it, it is exciting. It's an honor, genuine honor. I admire all of you and what you do so much. I am incredibly honored to be featured on this. Oh, my God. Well, so we are happy to have you. Congratulations on all of your accomplishments. And before getting into one of the films that you worked on, a little film called The Whale, I would mm -hmm. love to hear, we'd love to hear about your background. Uh, Jillian, how did you get started? What's, how did you get into filmmaking? Um, well, uh, let's see, cliff notes. In college at uh, down south, I had an internship with the Fort Lauderdale International Film Festival. And I did just everything in the world that they asked me to because it was just like, I loved it. I loved every aspect of it. And when I say I did everything, I was even a bouncer at an event for Peter Bogdanovich once. I mean, I like did like wow. whatever they needed, I did. <laughs> I met Alan Rickman and, and shared a limo with him, but I didn't even know who he was. Um, you know, so I started there very happily. And then when we moved back north, there actually wasn't a lot of uh, movie stuff going on here whatsoever. There wasn't a lot going on in upstate New York whatsoever. And uh, Kingston, New York, which is my hometown, basically was really failing and flailing at that moment because IBM had left and that was the big employer. So I one day read an article in the Sunday uh, Freeman, which is our local paper. And there was one line that mentioned a local film festival. And I was like, what? Wait, huh? And so I literally dug and dug, which when you consider it was the mid 90s, there really, you know, there was no such thing really as Google or like anything right. like that. So I had to do some hardcore research. And uh, there was a film festival called the Hudson Valley Film Festival at the time. And all of my experience at the Fort Lauderdale and for uh, International Film Festival, uh, they asked me to actually come on and be a board member there because I had so much more experience just from literally being willing to do anything and everything that was asked of me. Um, I met uh, a woman who had a, a film in the film festival, the Hudson Valley Film Festival, and her name was Mayura Blaustein. And then shortly after that, 
um, she started the Woodstock Film Festival and I jumped on board and helped them the first few years that they were around. Took time off basically to have a couple of kids and jumped back in, started uh, my own public relations company. The city of Kingston was one of my clients. Uh, a movie got in touch with us and said that they were either going to film outside of New York City or, uh, you know, so they could be close to the city and, you know, um, just outside or potentially move upstate and film up there. So I made sure that they filmed in the city of Kingston. And that movie was called The Sisterhood of Night. And it starred uh, Cal Penn, Georgie Henley, um, uh, Olivia DeYoung, who played, uh, I think, Priscilla Presley in Elvis. Good. And I, you know, behind the scenes, even though I found like all of their locations and that was easy, um, I also negotiated deals for them that they had no idea because, you know, I, I wanted them to film here. The following year, did the same thing for a movie called uh, Cold in July, which starred Michael C. Hall. Um, Sam Shepard and Don Johnson. Um, and then after that, I was like, I like this thing. So I stopped doing PR and started doing location scouting. That's really amazing. So your role as a location scout, a location manager, can you talk a little bit about what that really entails? And for the listeners that might not necessarily understand too much of it or the benefits of having someone that is someone like you on board, um, what can you speak to that would help them also with their budgets and just your type of guidance? Well, um, I location scout. I don't location manage. I made that decision very early on. Um, location managers are first person on, first person off. And when I started doing this, my kids, you know, were young and there was no way my kids came and still come first. And so my my world is very different. So if I were starting it, um, if I were starting it and I didn't have the responsibilities that I did at the time, maybe I would have, you know, done location managing. But to me, you are all in when you do that. And I always like the creative aspect. So basically, um, when I was speaking with you uh, just a minute ago about the Sisterhood of Night. So what happened was their location manager, Sasha Springer, gave me a call. And I said to her, well, can you tell me about the movie? And so as she was telling me about the movie, I'm filming it in my head. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we got that. We got that. Yeah, yeah, we got that. We got that. And so she and the director, Karen Wachter, came up to Kingston. They hopped in my car. And literally, location after location, I nailed it. Now, here's where the difference with a local location scout comes in versus, and I will tell you right now, more movies now, especially from New York City that come up here, they bring their own scouts. Mm -hmm. But this is what I can do that they can't. So for, uh, for the Sisterhood of Night, um, a lot of it was going to be filmed in a school. So I took Karen and Sasha and we drove around the back of one of our local schools and I found um, an SRO, which is the resource officer at uh, the school who I knew. And I said, listen, I've got a director and a location manager in the car with me right now. Can you please walk us through the school? Give us a tour. 
And I promise you, if they are interested in the school, I will go through the proper channels. I will make sure that everything, you know, is is squared away. All the T's are are crossed, the I's are dotted. Um, but there's no point in me trying to go through the bureaucracy if this isn't what they want. And so, you know, he was like, yeah. <laughs> so like literally I got them into the school. They fell in love with it. I went through the proper channels. They filmed there and they wound up filming at multiple schools in the city of Kingston. But the connections that a local location mm -hmm. scout brings that, you know, I always say that any monkey, if you want a white farmhouse, any monkey can find you a white farmhouse. But to me, it's the details that come along with it. I am also more likely to get a location, a better deal because people know me. Absolutely. And I know what the market bears. I know what is, um, I know if a fee is going to be insulting to a location. I know if a production company is going to be overpaying a location. So these are things that, you know, when you're bringing your scouts from out of town, yeah, they can find you something that has the look, they can get you into whatever, but it's the details that a local brings that, you know, your general scout does not have. Absolutely. And you nailed it. It's really about the relationships that are already established. And also, I think that sometimes on set, Sometimes, sometimes maybe something doesn't work out and having a local uh, location scout, you have the creativity and the know-how to make last minute recommendations and pull your contacts in to facilitate. So I'll give really you an amazing. example of that. So in uh, cold in July, uh, the location manager of that had found um, a location for the, um, the police barracks, basically. The, so if you watch cold in July, um, there's a scene where they are bringing um, Anthony Michael Hall into uh, into a police department, and that fell through. And the location manager called me. This was two days before filming, and she's like, "I don't know what I'm going to do." Blah 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 blah. And I uh, got in touch, literally hung up with her, called the mayor, and I was like, "Hey, listen, you know, <laughs> da 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 da." And so that scene is actually filmed in the basement of city hall in kingston oh wow that's amazing yeah and so i mean i literally was able to help them turn on a dime and the thing is that it's it's unfortunate but it's true that like literally before locations can fall through oh it's but happened I, to me it's almost happened to me and then you're like left uh, cr almost crying trying to figure out because you're on budget and on schedule and and you don't want to, you're just like, oh, my God. And you're literally yeah. begging the person, please, please, please let me shoot. So I think oh. what, what you bring to the table is so much more important than, of course, you know, you have the production crew and all of that. But someone locally really understands the vibe, the uh, access points, the relationships. And like you said, the oh, neg I negotiating skills that you might have. Oh, absolutely. And when um, locations have been about to fall apart knowing maybe the people who have the location instead of like if it has fallen apart being able to pivot and then move to you know something else but also being able to speak to people and break it down and be like okay so what are your concerns you know you were okay with this a week ago what's changed you know let's talk about it and in one case literally I had a person say to me that she knew someone who knew someone 
who, when Neil Diamond's band was touring there in the 70s, they ruined a hotel room or like something literally that was like said. And I was like, I don't think this is comparable, but let's talk about it. <laughs> you know, it's like it's, <laughs> right. it's it is it's it's literally being able to find out what the real problem is, because sometimes people tell you one thing. But when you take the time to actually listen it's not really that it's something else and you've got to be able to listen, you know, get to the crux of something and pivot and make it better. Oh my God. Absolutely. It's really finding the solutions and have them. Like I think, you know, you mentioned that early on, very creative. And also the fact that you come, I think from publicity, you know how mm -hmm. to communicate effectively, which is so essential that word listening. I think we need, I need to do that. more. <laughs> But it, it's true, though. And, uh, you know, I, I think I heard somewhere along the way that most people listen with the intent to speak. And so when you listen with the intent to understand, to make the person feel heard, um, and then when you do speak, it's to speak cohesively and, you know, with... Um, with an end result that makes everyone happy because, you know, I mean, to me, and, and I've seen this done and I will never screw over a location to get a production in there. I won't do that. And I think that that also is, uh, is a big difference because I know that there are people out there that will promise the sun and moon because they just want to get a production in there. But what happens is they wind up screwing every production to come. Once you've burned a city, you know, people talk. I've had people, um, there was a, a television show, which shall remain unnamed, that uh, was filmed locally and, um, and quite often up here. And I had, even though I had nothing to do with it, it's a studio show, they, and they brought their own scout. I had locals call me and say, they're doing this, they're doing that, they're doing the other. I don't know how to deal with it. I'm losing customers. I'm losing business. I can't get a delivery, blah, 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 blah. And they turn to me to help them. And I do. And I'm like, okay, well, listen, the, the truth is, and, you know, and I'm sure that, you know, production companies don't want to hear this, but I'm telling them the truth is, you know what? They can't do this. Um, you should be being financially compensated if they are affecting your business. They certainly have the budget to do so. This is who you have to speak to because the bottom line is at some point, I'm going to want to film something there. If not, you know, myself making a movie, I mean, I'm going to want to bring a produ production in there and I can't have the taste in their mouth be, you know, this one rogue television show. I can't let that be the litmus for every production that's going to want to film in this city. Well, I was just going to say, you know, it was interesting because I've been bringing movies up here for over a decade. And when I first started doing it, because it wasn't something that happened frequently, part of it was educating um, the locals on the economy and the benefits to the economy. And, you know, and explaining that when people come and shop in their stores, they're not wearing, you know, something that says crew, but just know they are, they're, they're sleeping here, they're eating in our restaurants, they're shopping in your businesses. So yes, having this road closed for half a day is a pain in the ass. Granted, I give you that. <laughs> 
but I promise you that showcasing our area on screen and everything that our area offers is going to far outweigh the, you know, the pain in the neck of driving around the block. Absolutely. Which leads me to get a great segue to The Whale, the wonderful film with Brendan Fraser, directed by Darren Aaron Bosky. How did that come your way? Can you talk a little bit about being the location scout for some of the movie? Sure, absolutely. So they were working with Umber Studios in Newburgh with Summer uh, Crockett Moore and Tony Glazer, who are just, if, if you don't know anything about Umber Studios, definitely familiarize yourself because they are doing such good work in bringing local production um, to Orange County, which is like the Newburgh area. Um, but it's a good, you know, midpoint between the city and upstate. It's a really good area. So they knew that they were going to be getting the whale and they were looking for the location that Mr. Aronofsky had in his mind, uh, which was not anything that was here and they could not find it. And Summer suggested that they call me. And so uh, one of the producers reached out to me and he told me about the movie and I listened and then um, because they were under a real time crunch because they had already been looking. And he said, well, let me shoot you a picture. And he shot me maybe two pictures of what it was supposed to be. And I was like, oh, yeah, I got that. And so I literally sent them um, and I didn't have pictures of it because it was no place that I had ever filmed before. But I've driven past it a million times in my life. I knew this location, and this was in the heart of the pandemic. Put it into Google Maps, dropped you know dropped myself in so that they could get a a, a street view of it, and sent them the link. And I was like, "This is it." And so, literally, that was it. Just presented one location, and and that was what they chose. Oh, that's great. That's knowing and paying attention to, I guess, what what is needed on on the first script, and really being resourceful and creative. So that's amazing. Can you um, speak to what were you on the set when they were shooting? What they did was, I think, just so brilliant. You know, they told me you know different angles that were needed, so that when I went on site to actually scout the building and send them pictures from there I was able to so it's really neat because there's a picture out there and it's of Mr. Aronofsky and I believe his DP and they're masked up and they are like you can see he's got like a camera and I'm you know I know that I took that I, I took a still and like sent that angle you know so it was told before I go and scout what they're going to be looking for and it was very specific within the context of that apartment complex. It was very specific with the angles, obviously, and what they, you know, would need to be doing. And, you know, just a little behind the scenes kind of funny thing. <laughs> we love so behind it, the scenes. Share, share. <laughs> it was freezing the day we did the director scout freezing. And my warmest jacket is this bright yellow parka. And I love yellow. Um, and so as I was leaving the house with my bright yellow parka on, um, I looked at my husband and I said to him, everyone else is going to be in black because that's just how people from the city roll. Admit it. Everybody wears black. 
Absolutely. <laughs> literally, I get there and I am this bright yellow thing in this sea of black. <laughs> and when, as soon as Mr. Aronofsky arrived, he said, I told you to blend in with the locals. <laughs> and I don't know if he was speaking to me or if he was speaking <laughs> to them. Um, but anyway, but so the, the director scout was neat. But the coolest thing, because it was the heart of the pandemic, was the majority of everything was shot on the soundstage. And so once they had the location, everything was built specifically to mirror that. Oh, really? So huh. it is the most amazing. So I, I think that if more people understood that, they would understood they would understand even more of the genius behind this movie because literally they filmed like the exterior and all of that i believe only in one day really wow everything else was filmed to scale to replica on a sound stage it, it, mr aronofsky was brilliant in his vision during the pandemic to do this i I don't know how many people know that. And I just think that that is so brilliant. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's an amazing piece of trivia, but actually really profound in what we as filmmakers might be privy to, but the audiences don't necessarily know. And it yeah. goes to the creative talent, both of the location scouts, starting with that, with the script, and then moving into the the construction and the set design and, and all of that. So I think that's, Amazing. Can um, coming out of the whale, are there any projects that you're working on now? Or let's just say someone wanted to contact you to get your services. How would they do that? Um, well, the best way to to reach out to me is my email address, I, which is just literally Jillian at JillianFisher.com. Jillian has a J, Fisher has no C. Um, I only work word of mouth. I have never, you know, worked otherwise because I believe that that's the best way. I mean, people work with me because they know my acumen. They know my um, not only what I've worked on, but they know in addition to my abilities, they know how I work with people. They it's just all positive or they wouldn't be, you know, getting in touch with me. So I'm working on a few different projects right now. But I am also trying, you know, really hard to push my own projects, which I think any filmmaker understands that when you need to work on other people's projects, because that's what's paying the bills, you know, working on your own and still trying to move uh, forward with that, sometimes not letting that fall by the wayside is difficult. Absolutely. But that's what we're here for, to support you as well. And I really want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to uh, sit down and give us a little interview on your experience, what a location scout does, sharing your experience on the whale and also your upcoming projects. And we hope to, um, to get you back on soon. And any parting words, any words of wisdom that you would impart to um, aspiring filmmakers or anyone interested in doing the type of work that you do with locations? Yeah, I would say that every experience in your life matters. That even if you think that what you're doing is trivial, I would say that everything translates. That as long as you're a creative person, every single thing that you have done in your life 
translates into what you will do next. I agree. Thank you, Jillian. Oh, and thank you so much. This was a pleasure. And I am, again, I am honored uh, for your interest in me genuinely. Thank you so much, Jillian, for joining us today. Being a location manager for the film well had it just been so outstanding. And I'm glad that Giovanna got to speak to Jillian about being resourceful and creative while scouting. And something that stuck with me in the interview, Janine, was Jillian said, every experience in your life matters when it comes to filmmaking and creating. And that is just so true. Yes, yes, it really is. You can pull from any aspects of your life from when you were young and until now and infuse that into whatever type of project that you're working on. And that, that was a terrific point that she made out. I loved how she pointed out how productions have to be careful when they go out on location and how they treat the businesses that they use, as well as the communities. Because as she said, if a location burns that particular area, they're not going to want another production to come back. It can hurt so many up and coming productions if you don't take care and treat the town, the city, the business that you're in with respect. I agree. Well said, Janine. So I think that's it for this episode. We are a wrap and we thank everyone for joining us and we want to hear from you. Please reach out to us and let us know what's on your mind. If you'd like to be featured on an episode, if you have a suggestion for someone that we should be interviewing, or if you'd like to participate in the podcast, in the segment, then email us at communications at if you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to be subscribed so you won't miss any episodes and take a moment to rate and review us as it helps more people find their way to us. Also, be sure to go to nywift.org to check out all their programming and information on being a member if you aren't one already. Yes. And if you're not a member, you should be. NightWift is a great organization, and we encourage everyone to get their Muse tickets as soon as possible before it sells out. It's going to be a great event. Tammy, I'm looking forward to all of your Muse news that you're going to bring us, and hope that you have an amazing time on the red carpet. Thank you so much, Janine. All right, everyone. We appreciate you joining us for another episode, and until we meet again, keep on crushing it.